Hi, this is Blanka and Antonio from Zagreb, Croatia. Dusted is a Story Wong podcast. To show your support and for exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash storywonk. Thanks! everyone and welcome to the show i'm lonnie diane rich i'm alistair stevens and this is dusted your stop it evil hand stop it <laughs> buffy the vampire slayer podcast yeah this week we are discussing the entire second season of angel in our season wrap up episode and what a season it has been tell me how your experience of the season matched your expectation because you were I think it's fair to say a little positive going into the second season, right? I was. I thought everything picked up. As I remembered, at the end of season one, when we had that kind of turn and things sort of solidified and we had the team together, um, I had a memory of season two being like much, much better throughout. Mm -hmm. And it was uneven there were some really great episodes some not so great episodes and then a really weird kind of season ending cap um all of it together comes across kind of ramshackle but i feel like we finally get our feet in season three now i've watched ahead so i know what to expect this time uh, and season twice, three exactly <laughs> season three is absolutely my season no, I think yeah. that's fair. The turning point is really the end of Sanctuary in the yeah. first season, I think. Then we mm -hmm. launch into Warzone, Blind Date, and then to Shanshu. And even then, when we begin the second season with Judgment, mm -hmm. those four episodes taken together are a fairly definitive statement yeah. on what mm -hmm. Angel as a show is ultimately going to be. And it's not that the Darla storyline is incompatible with that. Mm -hmm. The Darla storyline, I think falters because of execution and because of duration yes absolutely mm -hmm. i'm just not sure that there's enough narrative fuel contained within the second season to arc darla to where we arc her mm -hmm. never mind for the entire duration of the <laughs> right. season mm -hmm. that's a problem coincidentally as we record this we're also coming up to the end of the second season of veronica mars in our podcast mm -hmm. we used to be friends that suffers from a very similar problem. There's it really a does. Strong statement of intent, and then just insufficient narrative fuel to propel Veronica Mars through its second season too. Yes. So it also falters and has to scrabble around a bit to to try to to refocus its energy for the season finale. Now Veronica Mars doesn't go to Pylea either. <laughs> Literally or metaphorically, no matter how much no. I might want to see that. That would be adorable. And we're getting an increasing amount of correspondence with regard to all of our podcasts, I would say, about the length of a season, about mm -hmm. the idea that a 20, 22, 24 episode season is preferable. Mm -hmm. Is that really what we should be aiming for? Or would every TV show benefit from being cut back to 10 to 12, maybe 14 episodes. Mm -hmm. And I think that these two seasons, Angel season two, Veronica Mars season two, are really strong arguments against the idea of the 22 episode season. Right. Or the season that splits itself into two story arcs. I think you can do that pretty well, too. That's very true, too, because we're also discussing the first season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yes. over on our other mm -hmm. podcast, We Can Do This All Day, in which we're looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And S.H.I.E.L.D. manages to dodge this bullet fairly effectively because it doesn't have season arcs. Mm -hmm. It will cram three or four storylines into each season. And they will be 
fully developed. They will have beginning, middle, and structures. They will have strong turning points at the end that、mm-hmm. lead into the next story arc. But that means that the season, when you're talking about Agents of Shield, is not a functional unit of narrative. The、right. arc becomes the primary unit of narrative, and that I think is a consequence of moving away from. The broadcast schedule, quite simply,、yeah. I think、mm-hmm. the season that the show is currently in is less important now than it's ever been, particularly for modern distribution. I mean, Angel, this season was coming out in two thousand one. Veronica Mars was coming out in two thousand six. Shield was coming out in two thousand thirteen. But over that period, you can see a huge swing away from standard distribution models、oh, and、yeah. a swing toward the Netflix model, where people are. Waiting, they're not watching their favorite TV show as it airs. They're、yes. waiting to binge it at the end of the season. In which case, the the season arc itself is even less important than it would otherwise be. Yeah, it has even less meaning. And we've had these、uh, like cable premium. Television shows coming out. We got、mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. We have even the you know standard cable like USA Network had a whole bunch of shows that would have twelve episodes a season, maybe thirteen, and they would tell their their stories in those seasons.、Sure. We saw Mad Men, which broke up a ten episode season into like two half seasons. <laughs> we do crazy <laughs> stuff like that. So、um, it is really interesting. That final narrative unit has always been based on the standard broadcast year, and now that、yes. broadcast is having so much less influence. We're seeing a lot of these shows like Jessica Jones, like Daredevil,、uh, things coming down on Netflix that are dropping the entire season at once. Orange is the New Black,、uh, House of Cards. These are、yeah. all things that drop an entire season at once,、um, and everybody can come in and they can binge it, and then it's ten episodes or twelve episodes, and then you wait a year and you get another handful of episodes. Yeah, I'm more familiar with this model, I think, than a lot of our listeners, maybe、mm-hmm. because I'm British. So growing、right. up. A lot of my favorite TV shows came out in six episode seasons, or eight episode seasons, right, or ten、sure. episode seasons.、Mm-hmm. It was relatively unusual for a show to run twenty episodes.、Mm-hmm. That was something that I associated almost exclusively with American import television. You know, Star Trek: The Next Generation would run for twenty four episodes in a season, but、mm-hmm. the shows that I watched from the BBC or from commercial television in the UK were almost always six or eight, or at a push. Mm-hmm. That I don't think is a creative difference, or even necessarily an intentional difference. Rather, it's a product of how the TV industry works in the UK versus the United States. So let me ask you this: since we're talking about binge viewing and we're dropping about entire seasons being dropped suddenly on Netflix, how do you think the second season of Angel would fare on a marathon binge watch? <laughs> Versus week to week, even the way that we've been watching it for the podcast. Yeah,、um, I think that it would fare better. I think that these things would move along a little bit faster. One of the problems with the Darla storyline, and again, like I like Julie Benz, and I kind of like conceptually what they were trying to do with the Darla storyline. In the end, it felt like it again. It was like not enough gas for that size car. Like it just could、mm-hmm. not get itself. You know, continually moving, and then we were doing all these other sort of things to sort of spin our wheels while we're waiting for these twenty-two episodes to go by, and then eventually, of course, just slap it down mid-season and pick up and just go in another direction.、Um, it for me, I feel like had it been a binge watch. 
I wouldn't have been, you know, at the time that the Darla storyline kind of wraps up, mm-hmm. I would have been like, all right, you know, it's it's wrapping up and that's fine if you're on a binge. But when you're part of a whole season, you have this expectation that there's going to be all this other story. So there's so many other expectations mm-hmm. that kind of feed into this like week to week experience as opposed to just minute to minute when you're binging on Netflix. We're going to talk about the results of the fan poll that we ran over at storywonk.com in just a moment. But I want to break our sequence here just a little to skip ahead and talk about an email that we received from Leah from Chicago. Leah writes, I've been listening to your podcast for over a year now, but this is my first email. I have to admit, I found myself disagreeing with you the most I've ever disagreed with you during your coverage of Angel's second season. I think the first half is so much stronger than the second half. I'm a big fan of the Darla arc, and I'm sorry you two had such a hard time with it. Of course, this may be as simple as a case of differing primary values. I go to Angel for the deep philosophical discussions. It's one of my favorite things about the show, and the Darla arc has that in abundance. I can see the second half of the season being more confident and self-assured from a storytelling perspective, but the fact remains there's just not as much there. I think that is entirely representative of the correspondence we received in defense Mm -hmm. of the Darla arc, Mm -hmm. and a really great summation of my own views, honestly. Mm -hmm. I love Angel for its philosophical content, too. I love the Darla arc in theory, and there are parts of the Darla arc that I really genuinely adore. Yeah. And I think we have to be careful not to conflate some of the muddy mid-season storytelling with what is, I genuinely think, a really strong conclusion to the mm-hmm. Darla arc. Yes. I think that mm-hmm. story lands. I can understand where Lee is coming from. It is a case of primary values, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. But I did want to offer a counterpoint to the generally accepted consensus, I think, that the Darla storyline doesn't really work. Right. And I think that because we always talk about how the Darla storyline doesn't really work, um, we tend to miss the things about it that are genuinely good. And there are things about it that were really well done and that were interesting and engaging. But again, it was just it was just too little yeah. to spread over that many episodes. But let's not mm-hmm. forget that we ranked Reprise and Epiphany out of the season two episodes. Reprise mm-hmm. and Epiphany were ranked third, number six on the list yeah. overall. So mm-hmm. that is a strong showing. Yeah. Let's talk about the season two episodes because we got a new number one with Dead End, which I think it's fair to say, looking at the results of the fan poll, we liked a little more than most people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very few people, relatively speaking, ranked Dead End as their flat out favorite episode. Yeah. I do think that Dead End is an episode that speaks to the writers in the audience. I think maybe, yes. Because it is so... It might be a writer's episode. Structurally tight. Yes. It is so just mm-hmm. nicely written, it's nicely It's well crafted, yes. and writers get very excited about that kind of thing. <laughs> we sure do. We also put a new episode right at the bottom of the Angel List at number 40, The Thin Deadline. Zombie Cops! Zombie Cops! <laughs> Exclamation point, jazz hands. Looking at the list as a whole, it's interesting how... Well-matched it is with the first, I think, if you distill both seasons down to their core, if you Mm -hmm. wanted to slap a a point score on each season as a whole, they would be, I think, very similar Mm -hmm. in aggregate. I do think that season two, (laughs) as cliched as it may be, possesses more highs, higher highs, highs. and lower lows (laughs) than the first season. But that's not necessarily a problem because Mm -hmm. this is a show that is continuing to search for its identity. Oh, yeah. And while the end of the first season, the beginning of the second season, gave us a sense of an identity, and that identity will be a part of what Angel becomes moving into the third season, it's not the complete picture. Darla gave us a part of that identity. That's not the complete picture. The Pylea arc gave us a fragment of that identity. Really, nothing is going to stick mm-hmm. from Pylea except Fred. 
But we are going to carry some of that tone mm-hmm. into the rest of the show. So this is still a show trying to find itself. Trying which... to give itself form. And usually it takes about, you know, the first season is usually where we find most of the struggling. Usually by the beginning of the second season, most shows have found their identity. Angel is not one of those shows. It finds identities. It tries on a dress for a little while. It walks around in it and then it changes out. Yeah. But I think that there have been some really fun things that were done this season. I love the addition of Gun. I think that Gun is really interesting and fun. I love J. August Richards. Um, I like Wesley being much more capable much less goofy that for me is really fun cordelia unfortunately is is well i mean i like i like who she is at the moment if ever there was a character in search of identity when you talk about highs and lows yeah you're talking about cordelia chase in the second season and unfortunately that is happening to her Mm -hmm. rather than coming from natural character growth and development the way that it is with gun the way that it is Mm -hmm. with wesley for example cordelia is going to continue to be a problem, a point of discussion at the very yeah. least mm-hmm. throughout the remainder of her tenure on Angel. Let's look at the results of the fan poll then, and let's begin with our first question, favorite episode. And this was really interesting <laughs> because we have a top three, and that top three is a very reliable and, and mm-hmm. worthy top three. And then we have four episodes perfectly tied for fourth place. <laughs> It's possible, looking at this poll, to say that there are eight good episodes in Angel Season 2, which I don't think is necessarily too far from yeah, the mm-hmm. truth. The favorite episode, the most beloved episode of our audience, was Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? Which, surprisingly, we ranked ninth yeah. out of the season. Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? Got 22% of the popular vote. Epiphany came in next with 14% of the vote. We put that third out of the season two mm-hmm. episodes, tied, of course, with Reprise. And then There's No Place Like Plurt's Glurb, the conclusion of the Pylea arc, also got 14% of mm-hmm. the popular vote. We put that at number four, along with the other episodes of the Pylea yes. arc. Mm-hmm. That, I think, was a little misleading. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure necessarily that There's No Place Like Plurt's Glurb is as superior to the other episodes in the Pylea arc yeah. than mm-hmm. the poll would mm-hmm. suggest. Right. I should possibly have combined those into one Pylea arc. The Pylea arc episode. Vote, yeah. For me, I still think that the second episode is the of strongest. that arc mm-hmm. is the strongest, but mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in just a little while. Then joint in fourth place, we have Darla, Reunion, Disharmony, and Dead End, <laughs> all with 8% of the vote. <laughs> Besides the fact that we put Dead End mm-hmm. at the top of our list, yeah, I can I can live quite happily with this. No, I think that is a good set of episodes. And the thing is that this, again, this represents people's favorite episodes. So it's not necessarily this is the ranking by our audience in, in terms of this is first best and this is second best and all of sure. that. These are the choices for first favorite number one episode. Are you surprised that a full fifth of our audience likes... Are you now or have you ever been the most out of the season? Uh, no, I think that that's a it's a good episode. I know that we ranked it a little bit lower, um, but there are a lot of things I think to like and enjoy about that episode. I think in its way, it's almost the opposite of Dead End. Yeah. It has a great deal of style and a great deal of swagger, but the substance is a little less mm-hmm, reliable. Mm-hmm. It's a little less well-crafted than... An episode which is, on the surface, at least much less ambitious. Right. But I think Are You Now or Have You Ever Been has some really cool elements. This this opportunity to see Angel 
in a, a transitional space oh, between, sure. you know, uh, being connected with the world and trying to protect it and trying to withdraw from it and not caring about what happens to people. Um, it's a really interesting kind of uh, look at him. It also brings in the Hyperion, which in itself is a character in sure. the season. Um, and and there's a lot of interesting stuff. And I think that from like a, a philosophical point of view, there's there's a lot of meat on that bone. Oh, are you now or have you ever been? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about that episode. So are you now or have you ever been was ninth in our list of season two episodes 13 on our list overall that is still well within the good zone yeah. mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> let's move on then to our least favorite episode and this one was a little more clear cut in third place the third least favorite episode shroud of ramon uh-huh. a heist yes. movie gone horribly wrong but horribly. not an episode without some virtue yeah i think mm-hmm. that is still an episode that i could see myself watching again in the future because it's it's pretty fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Happy Anniversary, mm-hmm. the time stopping adventures of a physicist that sure. I probably won't return to. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, the least favorite episode in the entire season, Zombie Cops! Zombie exclamation cops! point. Thin dead line with thirty percent <laughs> of the vote, and it will be a cold day in hell before I watch that episode again. Oh my god! No, that was terrible. So so terrible. How does Zombie Cops? Match up with the very bottom of the Buffy list, do you think? Is uh, it there with your beers bads, your Ted, <laughs> your goes fishes? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's down there. I mean, I think it's I think it's down there. Yeah. There are just some episodes that are so ill-conceived, such a yeah. bad idea from beginning to end, uh, that they really do kind of just drag themselves down into those lower depths. Yeah, interestingly, mm-hmm. those three episodes were in perfect order at the bottom of our list. Oh, there you <laughs> go. We had Happy Anniversary at 17 out of the season two episodes, mm-hmm. the 31 on yes. the list overall. Mm-hmm. The Shroud of Ramon comes in at 18 out of the season two episodes, 34 overall, and The Thin Deadline, 19 out of our season two episodes, because, of course, we... Combined Reprise Epiphany and the Pylea Mm -hmm. arc together. So we have 19 rankings. Yes. And a thin deadline is for us dead last. (laughs) Do you foresee any other episode that will rival the thin deadline for the bottom of the list? Oh, goodness. For the flat out irredeemable bottom of the list. I think... I haven't I haven't quite gotten through my entire watch of season four, but my memory is that there's some real low points in season four. So, yeah, I think possibly there might be a contender, but I'm not sure anybody's going to unseat it from the I bottom of the list. I don't think we're going to see anything in season three. Yeah, I don't think in season three. Mm-hmm. Let's move on then to the fan poll for best character. And this is one that makes my heart happy. I included four responses here because really only four characters received a significant number Mm -hmm. of votes. With 13% of the popular vote, Angel. With 14% of the popular vote, Wesley. With 16% of the popular vote, Cordelia. And with 23% of the popular vote, Lorne. That is pretty much, I think, where I would be. I might actually bump Angel off the bottom of the list and replace him with Gunn. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. But in terms of the character that I have enjoyed watching the most, though arguably I would bump Angel off the list and replace him with Lindsay in terms of the (laughs) character I have enjoyed watching the most. But I am very Uh glad to see that... Our listeners the share Lawrence our genuine love. love of Lauren. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to move to an email that we received from Sophia on the subject of Lauren. Sophia writes, I think Lauren is clearly coded as a queer man. His storyline in the Pylea arc solidly confirms this for me. I believe Lauren's relationship with Pylea is an allegory for the way that LGBT people are treated by parents who do not accept them. He leaves Pylea originally because he hates it there. And he's been talking continuously about how terrible it is ever since. He tells Angel he saw 
sought refuge in L.A. because he's free to be who he naturally is there. He also emphasizes how xenophobic Pileans are, which strengthens his desire to never go back. I think this is a really smart read of the text here. I don't Mm -hmm. think that it is handled with... uh, an excess of solemnity mm-hmm. in the Pylea arc right. itself. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the the curious way that Lorne is coded throughout the season up yeah. to that point. Mm-hmm. But I think that Sophia makes an excellent point. I think that finding yourself out of step, finding yourself out of phase, and finding yourself, because you are different, disrespected, yeah. less valued mm-hmm. than you would otherwise be, and leaving to find yourself a home, a place where you can genuinely belong, a place that speaks to your strength and your soul and your, you know, tastes. Right. I find that to be enormously powerful. And I think it really works. I mean, you think about Lorne. Lorne was born hearing music, but he didn't know what it was, you know, and he always felt weird and he always felt different. And Yeah. And I think that that is is a really nice um, kind of line to draw. It also, we're able to do that. We're able to look at that without necessarily... You know, invoking all of the the gay kind of boxes that we like to put people right. in about who they are and where they are and who they like to sleep with. And it really just becomes about the ability of a family to love and accept the people within and that family. And is... he finds a family that does love Absolutely. and accept him. Yeah, This is what fantasy is for. Absolutely. By exploring the metaphor, we can talk about the underlying issue. And mm-hmm. it's interesting looking at the second season of Angel's treatment of Lorne versus the fourth and fifth season of Buffy and their treatment of Willow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because while there is a Wicca slash magic slash lesbianism connection Mm -hmm. in Buffy, we're never... We're never given the opportunity to look at Willow's sexuality from anything other than a a literally true perspective. Mm -hmm. We are exploring her relationship. It's much more direct. Lorne is... Even if Lorne isn't gay, even if that's a meaningless term for mm-hmm. Lauren, even if he isn't, you know, exiled from his community in, in a way that has anything to do with his sexuality at all, or, or his sense of his own gender identity at all, it's still in its way an effective and applicable allegory. Oh, I think it absolutely is. And I, I like the way that we are able to deal with it where... Lorne is, you know, never treated as though anything is wrong with him by the people who he's found, by the yeah. family that has has taken him in and has loved him, you know? Well, treated yeah. as odd, perhaps, but not treated as less valuable. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that Lorne has sort of a quirk to him that, that <laughs> makes, it's part of his personality, but I think that people don't, yeah, people don't um, look down on him or, or treat him like he has less value or like they don't love him because of this thing that he is. They, they love him because of the thing that he is. Yeah. He is just wonderful. Let's look further down that list at Cordelia in Mm -hmm. second place. That may be a little surprising considering that Cordelia has had such an uneven season, but... I just appreciate her so much when she's good. When she's good. And you know what? And I put it on Charisma Carpenter. I think Charisma Carpenter does a really great job with what she's given, even Mm -hmm. when what she's given isn't that great. I think that's fair. She certainly Mm -hmm. tries. She is game. You can never accuse Charisma Carpenter of underselling her performance, even when the material isn't (laughs) as good as it should be. She never phones it in. Yeah, Wesley, Mm -hmm. underneath Cordelia there, I think this has been in many ways Wesley's season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that in its own way is as impressive as the introduction of Lorne because Mm -hmm. it can be harder to arc a character, to revise a character, to to forcibly change a character Mm -hmm. than it is to introduce a brand new character. Wesley, by the time we hit the Pylea arc, I think 
is a very different character from the one who was introduced even in the first season of Angel, never mind back in, in Sunnydale. Yeah, he's my favorite for the yeah. season. I love Wesley. So really? he's so my, you would he's my Wesley number one. even over oh, Lorne? Yeah, yeah I See, love Lorne, but Wesley's my guy. Wesley is the reason why I come to Angel. I look at Wesley right now, and I see a huge amount of potential, but he mm-hmm. still hasn't really done it yet. He still yeah. hasn't really sold me yet. Mm-hmm. Wesley will be, of course, a serious contender for season three. And then under Wesley, Angel. Mm-hmm. An interesting season for Angel as a character. I think the degree to which you respond to his growth, mm-hmm. his his change, is going to depend on how completely you buy the Darla arc. Yeah. I am so much more fond of post-Darla Angel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. of the, the the philosophical argument of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because of the connection to the people around him. Because of the inner conflict. Because of his desire to to reconcile his own sense of guilt and, crucially, vitally for Angel, perhaps for the first time, a sense of shame. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he knows he has done terrible things. He has specifically and emotionally hurt the people closest to him. Yeah. And that's that's different. Mm-hmm. That's different from vengeance and wrath and destruction. That's just... That's just mean-spirited. It's it's more personal and it's yeah. more mundane. It's one thing to be, you know, all broken and broody about the horrible murders that you've done. But when you had a soul to hurt emotionally, you know, the people who were closest to you, mm-hmm. I think that that's a different kind of thing and something that he can't escape from. He can't be like, oh, I didn't have a soul at the time because he did. Yeah, you know? I think that's a, that's a really mm-hmm. good point. Let's move on to best performance. Here we have two actors in joint third place with 13% of the vote David Boreanaz who has been in the show a fair amount yes tied with Amy Acker who has been in the show hardly at all a blink of an eye and yet that's delivers how good she is such a winning performance yeah, not no, a categorically wonderful. winning performance mm-hmm. there are people out there who have still to be won over by Fred I guarantee it will happen mm-hmm. I mean you people aren't monsters you just right. haven't got her yet that's okay <laughs> But it is such an immediately charming performance. Oh, it's difficult God. not to think of her when you're compiling a list of the best performances yeah. in the season, which is in its own way crazy. <laughs> Above David Boreanaz and Amy Acker, we have Alexis Denisov with 16% of the vote. Very well earned. Mm-hmm. Very well deserved. And like Charisma Carpenter, I think, you can never say that Alexis Denisov phones it in. Oh, no. Yeah, You can he's never fantastic. say that he doesn't commit to the bit. Even when he's given goofy, stupid stuff yep. to do. He does it, man. <laughs> and first on the list, the most popular performance among our listeners, Andy Hallett with Aww. 22% of the vote. Yeah. And I think that... I think that is entirely justified. I think that is entirely well-earned because the truth of it is that Lorne would be a very easy character to do badly. Yeah. Even Lorne as written Mm -hmm. would be a very easy character to do badly. I think Andy Hallett brings such irrepressible charm and wit and vulnerability Mm -hmm. to that character that he is responsible for Lorne being as effective as he is, though he struggles too when the material doesn't quite rise to meet Mm -hmm. him. Lorne in the Pylea arc is not my favorite Lorne. No, it's really not. The constantly complaining Lorne mm-hmm. doesn't work for me as well as as enigmatic and wise Lorne. Yeah. My favorite single moment of the entire season is still Lorne tucking his coat behind Cordelia's head right oh, before yes. she has a vision. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is such a confident and enigmatic moment. It's a great, wonderful character beat. And that's the guy I would have liked to have seen in the Pylea arc. A guy who maybe doesn't want to go back. 
but understands that he he must. But instead, they yeah. give him this very flat role of being the one who's always saying, no, I don't want to do this. You know? Well, he's offering a certain amount of exposition. And I think it's difficult yeah. to integrate that level of, of enigmatic mystery with mm-hmm. the team. Yeah. He has to be a little more accessible. Right. In mm-hmm. order to, to become a part of the investigators. Yeah. I think he has to have some of his stranger elements somewhat de-emphasized mm-hmm. in order to make him integrate a little better. But... It's a shame that we have to do that, but that, I think, is going to give us a Lauren who is more complex and more human as we move into season three and beyond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so much to love. I know. He's so great. What do we make of the absence of Charisma Carpenter? Oh, in the best performance. And again, yeah. we have to emphasize this is not a hierarchical list. These are not ordered in terms of their right. quality. She might be everybody's second favorite. She might be everybody's <laughs> might second well be. favorite. And I think and that's that, I think, what happened. I think I feel exactly <laughs> the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Charisma Carpenter does not give a particularly showy performance mm-hmm. as Cordelia in this season. I think the opposite is true in the first season. I think she's she's written to be a little more mm-hmm. excessive, a little more heightened in the yeah. first season. And the performance is there to match that. But here she's constantly in a subservient position. If she's not, subs- as, as a performer, sure. I mean, mm-hmm. as an actress in the scene, she is giving more than she is getting, I think, more often than not. Mm-hmm. And that's... A testament to her talent. Yeah, honestly, I think she's just great. We talked about our Veronica Mars podcast. We used to be friends at the top of the the top of the episode. We have, of course, been watching Charisma Carpenter in season two of <laughs> Veronica Mars as the nefarious Kendall Casablancas. If you would like to see who Cordelia Chase would be had she gone down another yes. road, go take a look at Kendall Casablancas. <laughs> and there you go. Charisma Carpenter manages to be just wonderfully malevolent. Yes, in that mm-hmm. role. Let's look at our last fan poll. The poll for best. Writer, and this is, well, this is a turnabout mm-hmm. because this is our seventh season that we've looked at in, in Dusted. We've yes. covered five mm-hmm. seasons of Buffy, two seasons of Angel. This is the first time that Joss Whedon has not come first yes. in the best writer poll. It mm-hmm. has been up to this point of formality. Surprisingly, Joss Whedon still managed to get 31% of the vote, despite the fact that he didn't actually write a script for season two (laughs) of Angel. He gets a story credit on Judgment and a story credit on Happy Anniversary, one of the more reviled episodes, Mm -hmm. but still manages to get a full third of the vote for Best Writer. (laughs) David Greenwald gets 15% of the vote. He wrote Judgment, Dear Boy, Happy Anniversary, Dead End, and There's No Place Like Plurt's Glurb. But this... This is Tim Minear's season. Oh, Tim yeah. Minear gets 35% of the vote. He wrote Are You Now? He wrote Darla. He was a co-writer on The Trial, a co-writer on Reunion. He wrote Reprise. He wrote Epiphany. He wrote Through the Looking Glass. Which is our favorite of the Pilea arc. It sure is. Yeah. Tim Minear did the job mm-hmm. this season. Yeah. I think so many of the high points of the season can be tracked to Tim Minear's writing. That is a great list. And to write all of that in the span of a single season. He's like Doug Petrie. That's I mean, a huge what workload. What Doug Petrie is to season five of Buffy, I think Tim Minear kind of is to season two of Angel. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really fair comparison, actually. And it's interesting to look at his work with Doug Petrie yeah. in the second season. <laughs> Not one of our favorite episodes. Sure, sure. But still, you can sense something mm-hmm. there. I do think he's a very different writer. From, he is absolutely absolutely and i'm not entirely sure that their strengths are completely compatible no but, but it's, it's their been... function in the season that there's yeah. this one voice that sort of rises up and seems to know what to do with what it's got mm-hmm. when i think of tim Minear's work what i see is a real facility with the 
largest and and most momentous moments in mm-hmm. Angel's history. He can write Angel at its most operatic, mm-hmm. and he can make it work. He can make it sing. I love his writing. Yeah, I think it's great. It's not perhaps as flashy as as a Whedon or a Petrie or an mm-hmm. Espenson, for sure, example. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it is incredibly solid. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of his work. Tim yeah. Minear has, for me, been the Martin Oxen. Yeah, of, sure. Of Angels so sure. far. Mm-hmm. I always respected Martin Oxen, but I didn't. I didn't understand Martin mm-hmm. Oxen's work the way that I do now after, yeah. after looking through the first five seasons of Buffy. I did not understand Tim Minear's work coming into this rewatch mm-hmm. of Angel. So now I can't wait to see more of his work going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Let's wrap up this discussion of season two with one last email. This comes to us from Tim. Tim says, this is the fourth or fifth time that I have tried to watch Angel. I usually get bored in the middle of season one, but I've never seen past Dear Boy until now. (laughs) Thanks to Dusted, I'm able to see the things that I like about the show just under the surface. I enjoyed the Darla storyline, but I was glad that it was over. Pylea is made to delight me. I'd love an Angel and Buffy fantasy series, and you guys have the best ideas, so if we were going to have a dimension-jumping fantasy series in the Buffyverse, which characters would you include? I think Harmony, Tim writes, would be hilarious. (laughs) Harmony is obviously a serious contender. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we can put a pin in her. This, I think, I don't know if Tim had this in mind, but this speaks to the concept of the DC's Legends of Tomorrow series Mm -hmm. from the CW, which takes... D-list, E-list, F-list right. characters from the ensemble casts of Arrow and The Flash sends them off on time-traveling adventures. Mm-hmm. The reason that we're pulling from characters who are so relatively unimportant yes. is that if something should happen to them out there in the universe, if they should die and be erased from existence, no one will care it doesn't and really it will matter. not matter. So I want to pull the, the lowest tier characters that we can Oh. From the the Buffyverse, and I don't know a Lyle Gorch. I think Lyle, Lyle Gorch. Gorch? Is very He's the one who's good. still alive, right? Lyle Gorch survived Slayerfest. Yes, Tector, Tector died. Um, you know what? I kind of <laughs> like the mom. We never got a we never got a name for her, but Joe from Judgment, who had the baby that she was going to have. Oh, interesting. I like her. I think she's cool. And if she she's got like a a really badass kid. That she has huh. to, like, walk through this. I mean, that could be kind of neat and kind of interesting. But I, I liked that actress a lot. Don't hate that. Can yeah. we bring in as the mastermind figure? And I think the rule here has to be that if we add a character from the Buffyverse or the Angelverse right. into the spin-off them show. Out. They can't show up in Buffy or Angel again. Otherwise, right. this turns into a list of our favorite characters. Exactly. I think it should be Angel and Wesley and Willow. And exactly. I think they should have adventures <laughs> and it should be great. I think that yes. Holland Manners Ooh. as the mastermind figure... Oh, forced to do penance for his badness by making good yeah. things happen and saving lives and all that kind of stuff. That could be very cool because I like that guy a lot. And Harmony? Is that where we are? Oh, always Harmony. <laughs> always Harmony. Always Harmony. Harmony belongs take, no. everywhere. Great. Let's, let's remove <laughs> Harmony from the other Buffy and Angel episodes. If we could do that retroactively, that would be... No, hey. I'm kidding. She's fine. She's good. I'm kidding. Aww. No, I think that would be a really great... A really great spinoff, actually. The ability to... To travel from world to world. Yeah. It mm-hmm. does feel a little like sliders, as yeah. I mentioned during mm-hmm. our discussion of that the Pylea arc. It does have an element of that kind of quantum leap, you know, set right once went wrong yeah. spirit to it. I'm attracted to to mm-hmm. stories like that. There was a Marvel comic book series called The Exiles. Uh, actually, 
multiple iterations of a Marvel <laughs> Comics concept called The Exiles, wherein a team of heroes drawn from different versions of the Marvel Universe has to jump from dimension to dimension, from alternate world to alternate world, mm-hmm. solving problems, oh, guided sure. by some celestial hand. That's a concept that I actually really like. <laughs> and it plays into your yeah. love of, of Bizarro World I love too. Bizarro World, absolutely. So, so what yeah. I'm saying is that I think we should pitch this. I should this take this out of the podcast. Of no, absolutely. We should write a pitch document. This is gold. And get in touch with the CW right now. I think they have they have <laughs> a gap in their does schedule. Does CW still exist? No, it does. It does. It absolutely does. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you, Tim, for that. I absolutely insist that everyone gets in touch with us over on the StoryWonk forum at forum.storywonk.com and puts together a team of dimension-hopping heroes drawn from the darker recesses oh, of the Buffy Oh, that is going to be so fun. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Because I know they're going to pull out characters that I've completely forgotten about and then are awesome. And I'm going to be like, oh, my God. What yeah. do you think of, and I hesitate to even bring this up, I guess. What do you think of a Riley? Oh. What do you think of a Riley fan? Just separated completely from Buffy. Uh-huh. So he's not, you know, at his worst. Right. What do we think of a Riley working for some kind of redemption, too? Oh. Well, the only problem with Riley with that. is that he doesn't realize he needs redemption. He thinks he's perfect. Well, but what if he so, did? Yes. Is my if point. he did, yeah, maybe. Maybe Riley there might be some Holland forgiveness Manners for that. And Harmony and Lyle <laughs> Lindsay Gorge. And Lyle Gorge. <laughs> that's the dream team, folks. Oh, sure. That's that's what we've been waiting for all these years. <laughs> I want to go back and pull out all of the... Oh, Marcy from uh, from Out of Sight, Out of Mind. Oh, Invisible Girl, sure. She's being trained. Right. She's she's a skilled operative. We, we let that whole assassin storyline go so we could bring her right back in. <laughs> yeah, we super did Yes, we go. super Actually, did. I think maybe the obvious candidate right now, looking at the shape of the Angelverse and the Buffyverse mm-hmm. combined, the obvious candidate for a story spinoff like this would be Faith. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Now, unfortunately... I don't want to spoil anything, but I don't want to remove Faith from the pool of potential characters for Buffy and Angel yes. in the future. Mm-hmm. But she would absolutely be be well. A she would candidate. be she would be the star. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even hmm, mm. looking at the end of season five of Buffy, even Giles could be a candidate. Oh, sure. There's yeah. a lot of potential there. So yeah. I want to hear everyone's list. So I want to go and read that over at the forum forum.storymonk.com. That I think will do it for our discussion of season two of Angel. All in all. I've really enjoyed talking about this season. I think I've enjoyed talking about the season more than I've enjoyed watching this season. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. I mean, one of the things about Angels, even when it's not perfect and it's not, you know, great, there's still always interesting things to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think it always does have kind of this bent toward the philosophical, toward asking the interesting questions. And I think that that makes for great discussion. And we're going to move into that with an even mm-hmm. greater sense of purpose by the time that we get to yeah. season three, which we will do in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're taking a break next week, but we will be back on October 10th with Heartthrob, the first episode of Angel's third season. Then on the following Thursday, the 13th of October, We'll return with the second episode of Angel's third season, that vision thing in which Cordelia's gift comes with a price. Of course, our schedule is now just all messed up. You can check the link in the show notes to see what's coming next. And I'm going to include now in the brief version of the show notes Mm -hmm. at the top of the podcast post exactly what it is that we're watching next time. So you can always check that to see what's coming up. So two angels on the week that we return and then a two-part Buffy the following week. Oh, bargaining part one and part two. Bargaining one and two. That is some of my favorite stuff. (laughs) Don't forget, you can join some of the funniest, smartest, and most delightful people on the internet on our forums at forum.storywonk.com. Or you can send your feedback to us directly via email at podcast at storywonk.com or via voicemail. 
252-505-WONK. That's 252-505-9665. And we have a couple of voicemails just to round out our thoughts on season two. Oh, yeah. A big shout out to our Patreon supporters, the amazing people who make it possible for us to do everything we do. To become a patron of the arts and gain access to exclusive StoryWonk content, go to patreon.com slash StoryWonk and pledge us a dollar a month or whatever you can afford. Until next time, I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. I'm Alistair Stevens, and this is Dusted. Hey, Lonnie and Alistair, and my fellow Dusted listeners. This is Christian from L.A. I just wanted to say something for myself, and I hope a few others out there who really like the Darla storyline. I love watching it every time for Julie Benz's performance, for the way the plot development enabled David Boreanaz to develop as an actor, but most of all, because I am fascinated by the philosophical problem that the arc wrestles with. How can you deliberately change who a person is? This is Darla's fundamental concern. She showed up in Buffy Season 1, wanting to do it as soon as she encountered Angel, insisting to the Master that she could change him. And here, in Angel Season 2, she is still trying to do the same thing. This season really seems to try and understand how identity is tied up with those around us from our past, which is what disharmony seems to rely upon as well. I, for one, am sorrowed that they did not continue to work through this to the season's end. Thanks for another great round of Dusted, and I'll continue to develop Carpal Tunnel with reloading my podcast app until the next episode appears. Thanks. I loved Angel. The last one sort of was Star Trekian for Alistair. Um, I loved it. Uh, it just, the last three shows just kind of reminded me of just a weird Star Trek off, offshoot. So anyways, thank you very much. This is Karen from Oakland. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Grr, arg.